Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. How are you today? Yeah, you doing okay? Yeah, you hanging in there? You're, you're here. You're here. Congratulations. You're up and you're at church on a Sunday morning. Like you started off your week very well. Um, so also, I want to um, acknowledge our online, our church online location. So if you're here today, thanks for being here. We're super stoked you're here. Hey, if you're in the comments, um, put in the comments where you're watching us from right now. We'd love to Love to see where you're watching. And then we have people who listen to this podcast and who also watch these messages after the fact. You can go to our website, discoverhope.church. And so we have people who watch that. And so if you're watching or listening at a later time, we're just stoked everybody's here, no matter where you are and where you're coming to us from. And so if we haven't met yet, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I get the great opportunity today to open up the Bible. So If you're new, maybe somebody invited you to be here today and you're new to this whole church thing. Um, So here's what we're going to do in this section of of our time together is we're going to open up the Bible. And today we're going to walk through a story in the life of Jesus. And we're going to let Jesus teach us some things today. And so whether you've been following Jesus for a long, long time or this is your first time sitting in in a situation like this, God has something for you here today. And so we're super, super stoked about it. So as I was preparing for uh, today, I was reminded of um, an experience I had recently. So let me know if you've, if you've had a similar experience to this. So I, was, um, I travel a lot during the week. And I was in the airport recently. And I had an early, early flight on a Monday morning. I don't typically do that to myself normally right like like a monday morning early flight going over the hill and into the airport like that's not a fun thing to do on a monday morning but i had to do it right i had to do it so um so i did all the things if you've flown you 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 know what i'm talking about i did all the things i got everything ready like the day before because i knew i was getting up at like an ungodly hour right so i got all the things ready I'm, I'm like ready to go and so that I can sleep as late as I possibly can. My alarm goes off in like the four o'clock hour, right? I get up and um, I've already backed it out as far as time goes, right? You know what I'm talking about? So your flight is at this time, check-ins at this time, right? You need to be at the airport by this time to get through security. And so that means you got to leave at this time from over, you know, here going over the hill, which means I have to wake up at this time, right? Like I've done all the math. I've done all the things. And, um, and then you got to leave a little bit of buffer time in there, right? Because traffic, even on 17, something stupid happens and, and there you are, you know, and so you got to plan for it, even if it's like four o'clock in the morning, right? Can, can anybody relate? Have, have you ever done this? Yeah, some of you, you're, you're traveling around, you know what I'm talking about. So you go through all the things. And I had, a, I had a meeting with my entire team that I was leading on Monday morning, right? So I leave enough time for me to get there and get into the, um, you know, to my gate and be able to open up my laptop, turn on Zoom, put my headphones on, and lead this meeting. So I go through all the things, right? 
and everything works perfectly. Like there's no traffic, thank God. I get there, I park, and, um, and I, I get over to, the, over to the terminal. I get through security. Thank God for TSA pre-check. You know what I'm saying? All you travelers say amen. And so I get through, and, I'm, and I sit there. I made it. I have time to spare. I open up my laptop. I'm ready to get into this meeting. I get in, and about three minutes in, the internet, gone. It is not working. No problem, right? Because I, I think ahead on stuff, right? No problem. I've got my phone, right? I'm going to tether to my phone as a hotspot. So I hotspot it to my phone. The hotspot will not connect. So here I am. I've done all of this stuff to get to this point, and I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't do anything. Like, I can't, my, I, I, I'm just sitting there going, what is happening? My entire team is like on the, in the meeting, and I'm not. And so um, I have another backup plan. Don't worry, don't worry. So I text somebody else on the team who's experiencing this stuff, and I say, hey, you're going to have to take the meeting today. And um, they had the agenda, and everything worked out just fine, right? But there I was sitting in the airport. I had no access to anything. I'm sitting there like a caveman, right? <laughs> I'm like a caveman. I'm sitting there going, what is this? What is this world we're living in? I can't get online, right? Um, have you ever been in a place where you haven't had access to something that you felt like you should have had access to? I remember listening to a comedian one time, and he was talking about the first time that they rolled out Wi-Fi on a plane. He said he was on the plane, and, uh, and, and they're, they're flying, and they make the announcement, Wi-Fi is, is accessible now, and to test it out, it's free, which it's, it's free now anyway. But back then, it wasn't. You had to pay for it. And so all you have to do is flip open your laptop and, and, and connect, and they all did. And they're like amazed, you know? And then it went down like 10 minutes later, and the, the pilot comes back on, and he's like, well, this is why we're testing it out. And so we'll figure out what happened. And, but thanks for being a part of our test. And he said the guy next to him slams his, his, his laptop shut. And he's so mad. He's so mad. And he looks over at the guy and he's like, you just found out 10 minutes ago this was even available like in the world. And now you're mad because you can't get it? Like, what kind of world do we live in? We have accustomed ourselves to lots of things like that, where my story happens to be about high-speed free high-speed internet access while I'm getting on a plane, right? But what is it for you? Ha have you ever been in a place where something has not been accessible? Maybe, maybe you had really, you were just craving something and you went to go get it and they were out of it. We moved here from, uh, to California from Atlanta, Georgia. It lit, like, like, literally, that's like literally the home of Chick-fil-A. That's, that's where they're based. And it never failed. Like on a Sunday, we'd be like, oh, hey, let's go get some Chick-fil-A. And then we'd realize, oh, no, it's closed, you know? And you, you just didn't have access to it. You know, we have funny stories like this. But in our culture today, can you think of other ways where we do not have access to things that we should? And you can fill in the blank on that, right? I'm not going to get into a conversation here today on, on uh, what we should have access to and what we shouldn't. 
But, you know, some of you, some of you, uh, many of you actually grew up in an era where if you were a person of color and you walked up to a water fountain that wasn't labeled for people of color, you could not drink from that water fountain, right? You, see, you, you, know, you remember what I'm talking about? You remember the days where there was a white uh, drinking fountain and a, and a, and a black uh, drinking fountain? You literally did not have access to water because of the color of your skin. One of, the, one of the landmark experiences of that day was when a woman said, I need access to a bus, so I'm going to go sit down on the bus, right? And we know the story of Rosa Parks. All throughout our lives, we have situations where we, we don't have access to things, Church and a relationship with God should not be one of those things. And so as a church, we have a value. We have a value that's important to us of being accessible. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what does it look like to be a people and a church that lives out this value of God of being accessible. And so if you haven't been with us, or maybe you need a reminder like I do, um, up here on the screen, let me give you a little bit of context for jumping into our passage today. So we're talking about, as a church, our identity. We're in a sermon series, a message series called Heart and Soul. What, what is the heart and soul of our church? I like to put it like this. When we look in the mirror as a church, what do we see looking back at us? This is what we're talking about. And so let's start like big picture and dial it right in to where we're going to be today. So we are starting out one church in multiple locations, reaching, restoring, and releasing people to live transformed lives. This is sort of an overall description of who we are as a church, one church in multiple locations. Now, we have three locations right now, Scotts Valley, Soquel, and Aptos. And we believe that God has more. We believe that more people need to experience the love of Jesus as expressed through this church. And so we see a day coming where there's even more than that. But let's also talk about our vision then. So our vision as a church is to unify, to multiply. So right now, these three locations, what were at one time three churches, are now unifying. We're coming together in order to multiply transformational communities that help people find and follow Jesus here and around the world. This is our vision as a church. And so we've been talking in this series about our values then. Who are we as a church as we go about looking at this vision? As we live out this direction as a church, who are we? And so two weeks ago, we talked about partnership. This was our first core value, partnership. And here was our definition of partnership, serving as a team, valuing each other's gifts. So you and I have gifts, each one of us, every single person here, everybody watching online, everybody listening at the, uh, on the podcast, we all have gifts to bring to the table. And so we value partnering together. There's not a, a few chosen people who have all the, the, the gifts uh, who get up here, like 
me who have a pastor in front of their name. Uh, it's not those chosen people that kind of run the thing and do the thing. We're all in this together. We go together. That's one of our core values. Last Sunday, we talked about being real. We are real. Now, I don't know about, about you, but I love this particular value. It's one of the things that, that really drew my family into this church when we walked in, right? The very first Sunday, I didn't come here as a pastor, right? My family and I walked in the doors of this church just like all of you did. And we walked in, and we were like, let's check this thing out, you know, just like you did. And we walked in, and we looked around, and we were like, skate ramps? What? We're not even skaters. And we were like, yeah, we love that. That's amazing. We love the skate ramps. We're like, something is different here. And we began to talk with people, and we began to connect with others and serve on a team. And then one thing led to another. And what, but what drew us in was that folks were real. And in fact, we define that as a place to be real and authentically follow Jesus, right? So we're not, this is a no judgment zone. We're, we're not, now we believe God has more for you. And we believe that God wants to do some things in you and shape you and refine you. And there's lots that God wants to do in you. But we're real. We're, we're not fake about it. We're not putting on uh, one look walking into Sunday morning and then living in an entirely different way the rest of the week. We want to be consistently following after Jesus in an authentic way. Right? And so today, we're going to talk about our third value, and that is that we are accessible. And what we mean by that is up on the screen, meeting people where they are to bridge the gap. This is what it means to be accessible. We want to meet people where they are so that we can bridge the gap. And what's the gap? Well, the gap between them, where they are right now, and all that God has for them. And the beauty of that is that whether you've been following Jesus for decades or you're just checking this thing out for the first time here today, we all have a gap because God always has more for us. He, he wants you to experience more of his grace, more of his love, more of his peace. He has more that he wants to do in your life. And so we want to meet people right where they are in order to help them bridge the gap. Now, I don't know uh, what your church experience is, but um, I grew up in a church that was very, very passionate about, um, about following the rules. And there were a lot, listen, there were a lot, uh, there's so much that I have to be grateful for, for that upbringing, and I came to know Jesus in a personal way through that upbringing. I learned the Bible in a significant way in that, you know, in those years. So much to be grateful for. But this church was very passionate about the rules. And I remember one time I, um, so, so if you don't, if, if you've never been around a church like this, let, let, let me just give you a picture of this. Um, so, so you didn't, uh, you, 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 you couldn't go to movies. You didn't go to the theater because... When you walked out of the theater, nobody would know what movie you went to go see, and you didn't want to tarnish your testimony, right? And so we didn't go, you didn't go to movies. 
That was, that was a rule. That's not in the Bible, but that's a rule that they put into place that they felt like was, was, was a good rule. One of those, one, another rule was that um, um, you didn't wear um, shorts. Now, 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 some of you, most of you, thankfully, are like, what? What, what? what are you even talking about? You didn't wear shorts. And there were lots of reasons for this, believe it or not. Um, one of the reasons was, and this was true in my case, if your legs were like really, really good looking, you know. <laughs> Would that, that wasn't a joke. There's, I, I don't, okay. Um, let me just collect myself here for a moment. No. Um, your, your legs were so amazing that you may cause somebody to lust after you and stumble, right? And it sounds sort of ridiculous when I say it, but, but these were the rules. They had rules. And I remember one time I, got, I, was, I, was, uh, I, I was with a friend, and I had shorts on, and, um, and the friend couldn't take me, like, all the way home, so they dropped me at the church, and I was waiting at the church for my mom to come pick me up. And one of the pastors saw me in shorts, and he walked over, and he and he put his finger right in my face. And um, I was a part of a school that was, I went to the school that was part of that church and he put his finger right in my face and he said, do you ever wanna go to this school again? And I was like, yes. You know, I was like, like cowering down, yes. And um, he said, don't ever wear shorts around here again. I was like, okay, you know, and I left, and I'm like, I need to change my shorts now, but, um, <laughs> you know, we put so many barriers between people and God. The church has a great way, in fact, of putting barriers between people and God. And the beautiful thing is, and the challenging thing is, is that Jesus modeled for us a life of stripping away all of those barriers. Jesus was not about putting up barriers so that people couldn't get at God or had a hard time. He was all about stripping them away, right? And as a church, we want to be accessible. We want to meet people where they are. Now, we're not compromising truth. We're not compromising our, our values and kind of who we are and who God is and, and all of that. We're not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to do crazy, like sinful things in order to, you know, expose people to God. We're not going to do that. But short of sin, we want to do everything that we possibly can to remove the barriers so that people can simply walk into the presence of God, experience his love, be transformed by it and then be um, a person that lives out their life helping other people experience the same thing. And all we're doing here with this value is we're following the model of Jesus. So let's go ahead and look at Jesus then. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 2. The words will be up here on the screen, and we're going to walk through this, this very famous story of Jesus as he models for us what it looks like to live a life where we are accessible. You ready? Here we go. Now he, being Jesus, Jesus had to go through Samaria. All right, so 
especially for those of you who might be hearing this story for the first time, let me just give you some context of, of, of the impact of this statement. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, here's, what that, here's, here's why that, that simple opening statement is such a big deal. So the Jewish people did not like the Samaritan people, Samarians. And here's why. So the Samaritan people, well, the Jewish people as a whole, um, at one point were, were conquered by the Babylonians. Babylonians came in, conquered them, and, and as was the custom, they would scoop up, the conqueror would scoop up all of the best people from the conquered, and they would take them back to their homeland. They would leave the, the, the low people, the, the poor people, the, the unwanted people, they would leave all of those people in the land that was still, that was conquered. And then what would happen is they would send some of their best people to the conquered land. So it would be like this big people swap. And, and they would bring their customs and their practices and their things to that, to that land, right? So Samaria was a place where that happened. All the best people were, were, were taken away and all of the unwanted people were still there. And so the Babylonians moved in and started marrying some of these unwanted Jewish people. Other people from surrounding nations saw opportunity to sort of move on in a little bit. And so they began to move in and they began to marry these Jewish people that were on the ground in Samaria. So over time, the Jewish people began to see the Samaritans now as half-breeds. This was very much a racial thing as much as it was anything else. They had intermarried and then had also brought in other religions and other things. And so it was just sort of this convoluted mess, the Jewish people. And so what would happen is from where Jesus was to where he was going, Samaria was a straight shot, right? So it would be like if I need to go from at the risk of, of labeling all of you who live in this area as Samaritans, it would be like if I had to go from Santa Cruz, right? to San Jose, but instead of going over 17, which is the, you know, it's, it's windy, but it's the straightest shot as the crow flies, right? Um, I love that, I love that saying, as the crow flies. I, I, I wanna use it more in my vocabulary. All right, so, so if I wanna go from Santa Cruz over to San Jose, that's the closest shot, but because I don't like the people who live in the mountains, let's say, I'm going to take the one, and I'm going to go all the way up the coast, and I'm going to come around, the, and I'm going to come. It's going to take me like five times as long, but I don't want to go through these people's land. This is what the Jewish people did with Samaria. In fact, they hated them so much that if, if I was in, Jew, you know, in Israel and, and, and I stepped foot into Samaria right here, I was unclean. I had to remove myself, go to the temple, talk to the priest, and go through a cleansing process because I had stepped on Samaritan ground. This is how bad it was. So the text says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And he had to go through Samaria because of the woman that he was going to meet. Now, this would have been shocking it would have been unbelievable to the Jewish readers of this letter when it was written. Unbelievable. Like, what? No. And here's why. Because many at that time, 
considered Jesus to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, right? They were growing in their understanding of that. And here is the Son of God, God himself going through Samaria. No, no, it wouldn't be. In fact, going through Samaria would tell me Jesus is not the Messiah because the Messiah would never go through Samaria. This is what they thought. Can you imagine? Now, maybe some of you have been around Jesus for a while, and maybe you've become accustomed to the things we talk about when we talk about Jesus. But in these days, you, it, Jesus would have completely invalidated himself as Messiah because he chose to go through. These religious people were so far off base that they would reject the Messiah, the Son of God, because he chose to go through an area that was where there were unwanted people. I hope to your ears that that sounds so foreign, that it sounds as ridiculous as someone coming to me because I was wearing shorts and saying, that's not appropriate for a follower of Jesus. What? Get out of here, man. What are you talking about? It's the same thing here. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Because Jesus is accessible. He's not only accessible to those who are sort of in the in crowd, who sort of know what's going on, or who feel like they have a stronghold on who Jesus is. Jesus is accessible to everyone. All right, you guys. We have a lot of ground to cover. Come on, let's go. Um, I wish you guys wouldn't let me talk so long like that. All right, here we go. So he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar. Not, not Cigar. Don't, don't, hear, hear that probably. Sikar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And if you're not, if you haven't been around the Bible or, you know, it's the first time that you've been around this stuff, you're like, Jacob, Joseph, okay, what's the big deal? They are legends in the, in the, in the Bible right? Legends. You got like Jesus, and then you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, you know, all these people. Like these guys are right in that mix. They're, they're OG. They're, they're big time. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. So here we have the very Son of God, the Messiah, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, the Bible says. All God, but he's also all man. And I love, I love how John points this out. We serve a Messiah. We serve a king who is, who is human and knows what it's like to be human. He's tired and he's thirsty. And he's gone out of his way to do something for someone and he's about ready to do it. But he's resting. He's sitting down. And he's, he needs to get a drink of water. How many of you feel like you're in a season of life where you're tired? Where you're just, you, you're, you're just like, I need a rest for just a minute. I need a drink of water right now in this season of life because I am exhausted. This is where Jesus was. And this is where he lived out the value of being accessible. And so if you're in that season of life, good news. You're in a place where you can communicate the love of God to people in a significant way. 
You know, when, when I have it all together and things are clicking and, it's, and it's, it's amazing and it's going well, yeah, there's some motivation in that. I think people notice that, you know, along the way. But when I'm in a place where I need something, where I recognize that I'm not complete, where, 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 where I'm, I'm very open and authentic, real, like we talked about last Sunday, that's way more powerful in the lives of people to communicate the love of God. Right? All right, so here we go. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Now, listen, guys. If you're reading this in the days after this was written and you fully understood what was happening here, you just can't, you, you, you can't believe what's happening here. Like, if anything, Jesus, if you didn't believe he was Messiah, son of God, he was a respected rabbi. A respected rabbi did not step foot into Samaria, especially on purpose, right? He didn't go to a well. He would have one of his followers go to the well because he certainly didn't want to interact with any of the common people, Samaritans. Not only does Jesus do that, but he sits down at the well and sends his followers out to go get food, which means he's by himself. You did not put yourself in that position as a rabbi. You were not going to be in a position where people could say, oh, he did this, he did that. So you always kept people next to you. You always went to the right places and never the wrong places. Like everything Jesus is doing is remarkable. It's stunning. And then it says he spoke to the Samaritan woman. This, like at this point, if you were reading this in the first century and you were like, what, what, what? And then when you came to him saying, Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman, you would have thrown your hands up and been like, ridiculous. You would have walked away. You would have been like, I'm not listening to any more of this story. I feel like I need to go to the priest and get cleansing just because of this story, right? This is how dramatic it would have been in these days. Jesus speaks to a Samaritan woman. You just didn't do it. This is the Messiah, Savior, who we follow. All right, here we go. And here's what he says. Will you give me a drink? Now, now man, just the fact that he asks a question, but now watch this. She's going to have to take the water, pour it into something, and hand it to him. He's going to physically touch something the Samaritan woman had in her hand, and then he's going to put it to his lips no, no, this, this is horrible, shocking. Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And so the Samaritan woman, recognizing the drama of this, says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus said, if you know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So he begins to speak to her right where she is. Right where she is. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw from and with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Are you greater than Jacob? What? 
Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so the woman said to him, sir, give me this water then so I don't have to get thirsty and keep coming to, back to this well. And he said, go, call your husband back. Now, this would have been the only appropriate thing Jesus has done up until this point in, in the eyes of Jewish people. Like, okay, finally, Jesus is like adhering to like what we believe needs to happen. At least he asked her to go get her husband. Like that's appropriate because it's the husband he needs to talk to and not the woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Doesn't that feel foreign to you even in these days? I hope it does. All right. Go get your husband. Bring it back. And she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, is you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. <laughs> what you've said is quite true, Jesus says. So not only is this woman a Samaritan, but she's at the well in the middle of the day, which you never do, because she's an outcast to her own people. She's been married five times. She's disgraced. She comes out to the well because she has no friends. And we know this because women went to the well with their friends, and they helped each other draw water. She has no friends. She's an outcast. She's the lowest of the low. This is who this woman is. So she says, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, woman, believe me. By the way, when he says a woman, that's not like, woman? Believe me. No, it was just, it was just a way to, to just address her. It, it wasn't like, don't, don't read into that like a woman. Believe me. No, Jesus says, a time is coming when you'll worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. It's coming from the Jews, Jesus says. Yet a time is coming and has now come, in fact, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus, in this moment, is redefining how accessible God is. No longer will you go to a building, to a place, and to a person, a priest in a temple, to get right with God. There is coming a day, Jesus says, when you'll worship him in spirit and in truth, you will be the temple. God's spirit will live inside of you as the temple. And it won't matter what people you're from or where you live or, or any of that. What matters is that you've received the love of Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in you. This is what will matter. Jesus is breaking down barriers. Can you see it? Samaria, the well by himself, speaking to a woman, asking her for a drink, breaking down barriers, breaking down barriers, breaking down barriers, all the way to the biggest of the biggest, 
the temple. No longer will there be a holy of holies inside the temple where the presence of God is. And the prophet Ezekiel would describe a vision where from the temple a river would flow. And from the river would come life. And it was a picture of God saying, I'm taking my presence and I'm going to move it out from the temple into the world around. This is what Jesus is doing. Accessible. So he says this. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. So Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he, I'm the Messiah. And just then his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want or why are you talking with her? They, they didn't want to like, be the ones to say anything. And so they didn't. And so leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And she leads the people. She leads the people out to Jesus. And that day... People all throughout this town begin to place their faith in Jesus as Messiah because of this woman. Because Jesus met her right where she was. Because Jesus said, I want you to experience God yourself. I want, I want, I want God's love to, to come to you, and then I want God's love to go through you. And so when you live the accessible life, when you determine that you're going to be accessible, you're going to help meet people right where they are and be a bridge of the gap between them and God, what you do is you do two things. You receive the love of Jesus yourself. And if you haven't done that today, we'll give you opportunity. Jesus went out of his way, like literally, like way out of his way, <laughs> He went from like heaven, perfection, and went out of his way into the everyday ordinary lives of humanity so that he could demonstrate his love, pay the sacrifice for your sin and mine, and offer you the gift of being in a relationship with him if you simply just say yes to him. Jesus did that for you. And then he turns around and he says, I want you now to be a conduit to the world around you for the same exact thing. And this is why the Apostle Paul would say at one point, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. Lots of people groups in there. I became this to this person who needed it so that by all means, in fact, in fact here's, here's how he put it. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. This is being accessible. So how do you do it? How do you do it? Let me give you, let me give you a few things. This is how you do it. First of all, you see with God's eyes. Ask God to give you his eyes to see people around you. Like really see them. And then... Speak their language. Jesus went right up in her, in her world and spoke her language. He learned how to speak her language. We say often around here that we, we don't flinch. Whatever comes our way, we, we don't flinch. Why? Because people are where they are. So can I give you a real practical example? 
if you're talking with somebody, especially here on a Sunday morning, and somebody drops the F-bomb in conversation with you, would you celebrate that? Would you celebrate it? You, do, you, do you know what, what I love? What, what I love, I love, love, love. I love when somebody comes up and they say, man, I'm just so excited about this, you know, effing Jesus thing. And you know why I celebrate that? I celebrate that not because they're using that language. I celebrate it because they're finding Jesus. Every single person who has ever done that has always come back around to the point eventually where they've said, yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to stop dropping the F-bomb. It's, it's probably a good thing. It's probably th something that honors God. And, oh, by the way, I'm kind of, you know, if they remember, they'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry I, I, I did that, you know, that I, like, you know, put that word with Jesus. Listen, the Holy Spirit's going to work in their lives. Let's celebrate people coming toward Jesus. All of that stuff will get cleared up over time. As they follow Jesus, that stuff will come, all that, God's going to refine them. All that stuff's going to come out. What's most important is that they're finding Jesus. And in this moment, they feel comfortable enough here because they're new that they'll use that language with us as they're finding Jesus. Now, eventually, they're gonna, that's going to be weeded out, Right? But we want to create an environment where it's accessible, where you can come to Jesus in your process and find him. And over time, we'll journey together as we become more and more like Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. He didn't go to the woman and say, well, if you would just like stop dropping the F-bomb and if you would just do this and do that, then let's sit down and we'll go through a discipleship process together. No, he let him. And do you know that over time, you know that that woman became more and more like Jesus. And the things that would have been offensive to all the religious people, those things work their way out. Right. And if your kids here today, don't drop the F-bomb. I'm not I'm not I'm not condoning the F-bomb. But this is the Jesus that we follow. And then lastly, we seek others out with God's love. And so we want to be this church. We want to be a church that does these things. That's why we have skate ramps. It's why you don't see us up here in a suit and tie. It's why we're not going to judge you if you come in here with your board shorts and your tank top. Or even, yes, if you drop an F-bomb. We want you to find Jesus, and Jesus will work himself out in you. This is our heart as a church. And so we want you to live this life as well. We want you to not only receive the love of God, but to give it as well. Being accessible means that we meet people right where they are to bridge the gap to where God wants them to be. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers. 
and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831 800 Thanks again for tuning in.